Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome all you guys and dolls to guys and ghouls. Uh, uh, Because October. Right. This is episode two of October Rama. No, not episode. Um, uh, Ball, no. I don't know what you're, where you're going with this. 2018, yeah. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Yeah, this is, <laughs> is going to go so well. This is week of the zombie. <laughs> um, so, who made you fucking king of the zombies? So, this is going to be a full episode, guys, uh, complete with horror business. Um, just like you would every other Wednesday, any other month. Quite. Except this is a theme week. Yes. The theme being zombies. Mm-hmm. So, um, how's it going, Taylor? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> October is already just stupid busy. Yeah. Very. Uh, uh, wrapped up Indiegogo. We did. We hit our goal thanks to a uh, anonymous donation. Yep. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, we weren't sure if we were going to do it, but we managed to pull it off, and yep. uh, it's pretty awesome. You can still contribute, though. We are now considered an in-demand campaign, so you can go and get perks still. Are we in-demand because we met our goal? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty sweet, yeah, but <laughs> it's like we were talking about the other day. It's like we had gotten into a point where or gotten to a point where we were starting to plan for a deficiency. Yeah, we were already in cost deficit. Mode. That's what it was. Um, yeah, we were we were convinced that we were only going to get like a, about a uh, little over half of our goal, um, and so we started planning for that. And now we're looking got, at our budget, just going, "Oh, we can do this ourselves, and we don't need this, and we'll get rid of this." And yeah. Now all of a sudden, we're like, "What do we do with all this money?" <laughs> We could change it all into pennies and then swim in it. I don't think that works. Like, I've seen DuckTales. I know what you're referencing. <laughs> but I don't think it works. Have you ever tried it? No, but I feel like it would just hurt. <laughs> we don't have to dive into it. That's just going to crush our bones. Exactly. But we swim in it. Just, like, just swim. Of course, that might crush us. Under the weight of so many pennies. Like drown in pennies. <laughs> It'll be like quicksand. Yes. Just sink to the bottom. Um, yeah, probably not a wise investment. No, probably not. But we could just change it all into pennies and then pay for everything with pennies. <laughs> like an old lady at the grocery store. Uh, the people would be so mad at us. You go to the theater and there's just like a tub of pennies. <laughs> um, but... We have so many donors, and uh, we are so thankful to everyone, and we want to take a second to thank every single one of you that paid for a a social media or a podcast shout-out. This is a podcast shout-out. All right. Are we technically combining them? No. I'll do the social one separately. Okay. Well, um, so to start out with, we want to talk about our three top sponsors, um, people or the companies that are are backing us. and uh, really made a difference in us getting uh, to a certain level where we could afford anything. <laughs> uh, and those three companies are Without a Cause, and Seventh Veil Tattoo, and I should say they're not all three companies. They reached the feature film that we both uh, started. <laughs> um, and they uh, are also a sponsor of the Grave Plot Fed Film Fest. So, th- 
many thanks to all three of those uh, organizations. Sure. Is that a more fitting word? Yeah. Uh, make sure you check them out. Uh, Without a Cause is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is Without a Cause WA. Their first, it's a wrestling company. Their first show is going to be October 21st. So that's coming up uh, here in Everett, Washington. Uh, Seventh Vale Tattoo out of Tacoma, Washington. Matt does great work. He, he's tattooed both me and Tony. Yeah. Um, check him out on Facebook at, I believe it's like the number seven TH Vale. Uh, and then they reach is at they reach.com. Yeah. Um, so, and speaking of they reach, the trailer for they reach is going to premiere exclusively at the Grave Plot Film Fest. Right. Um, so like I said, many, many thanks to those three organizations. We really couldn't have done this without you, but, um, other companies that took, or not companies, but other people that helped us out and, you know, were just as important, if not more important than our sponsors, uh, are Robert J. Foster, the third Amber and Bob Valentine, Karen Hoyleman, James Winters, Tammy Crook. John Jarvis, Daniel Hickey, Kim. <laughs> you set, Don't look at me. You set me up. Kim, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it's. You know, we've two- met her like three or four times at Crypticon, and I still, I've never actually heard how to pronounce her last name. I don't know if I've ever like, heard her name. I don't think said. I've ever heard her say it. She was always just Kim. <sighs> do, do, I want to say do it, but I don't. I don't know. Nah. We love you, Kim. Thank you. Uh, Kendra Forger, Absurd Company Incorporated, La Petite Mort, Gothic Model, Bry Troyer, Taylor's Mom. That's how she wanted to be addressed. <laughs> and Mogul Bar. So thank you so much. You skipped one. I did? Yeah, Dexter. Oh, yeah, my dog. <laughs> My my dog is making money apparently, but he doesn't pay me any fucking rent. He just gave you money to get on the podcast. So. <laughs> he and I need to have a little chat. My dog didn't give us any money. What a bitch! <laughs> uh, that works two ways, three ways, uh, three ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you so much, everyone. Um, we we really hope that we can put on a really good festival. We're we're working hard to come up with uh, some something. Good and memorable. Yeah, we got a, a shitload of, of submissions we got to go through still. Yeah. <laughs> they just keep coming in. Yeah. It's like I keep saying, oh, man, I really need to watch some of these or, you know, all of these. But then there are just more like almost every day. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And honestly, you guys are like dragging me down because I'm like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm so behind. Oh, but I'm still so much farther ahead than anyone else. I'm very busy. <laughs> I have been busy as fuck. I mean, aside from work and, you know, podcast stuff and then working on my, my video project, that took up a lot more time than I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just finally finished filming and now I need to start editing. So, so keep an eye out for that, guys. Yeah. Oh, well. New, new video project from Skeletoni. Yeah. I'm really hoping that I can cut things Make it look down. competent. Well, that too. But like in the future, make <laughs> make sure it doesn't take quite as long as it did this time. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, I'm excited to put it out just as soon as I can make every all the, like there must be like forty videos that I need to cut together. Shit. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, but they're all like, you know, like between two to 10 minutes long. Yeah. So I just need to find the order that they need to go in and how to cut them all together. So it seems continuous. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I debated about talking about this, but, uh, it's a sad time in our country right Uh-oh. now. I mean, should, should we not talk about it? I mean, it might be relevant to one of our movies. We could talk about it then. Uh, I guess, yeah. I don't know. but I, So the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. Um, it's just... I can't think of a time in my life when I've been more disgusted by our country. Yeah, same. Like, as a whole. Um, just the the treatment that victims have received in the last few weeks. I mean, not just the last few weeks, but the way that it's been publicized and the way that people have been uh, criticized and mocked because of their struggles... And they're, uh, I mean, I don't like to call them victims, but essentially they're victimization. And the way that they've been, they've been put on trial because of it. Uh, it's its absolutely disgusting. And the, the whole charge is led by old white men and their followers. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, I think that's the best word for it. It's just, I'm just so disheartened by everything. Like, I, I'm, I've, I'm losing my faith in the ability of this country to operate itself. I mean, I thought it was bad when Donald Trump was elected as president. Like, I thought that was as low as it could go. But then to see someone who was not like before this whole thing came out to see somebody nominated to Supreme Court who was uh, very vocal about saying that he thinks that the president should not be in a place to be um, uh, prosecuted for anything while in office. Um, And then when it comes out that he is a belligerent alcoholic and what sounds like serial rapist. Um, and somehow, somehow, even though that all comes out against him, that he could still be put in like the highest legal position in the country. Well, not only that, like the way that he reacted to the charge, like the, the hearing, you know, where, uh, Christina Ford came out and, you know, was composed and explained herself. And then he came out and just started screaming like a madman. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just spouting conspiracy theories. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about how this whole thing is just a huge conspiracy from the left to get revenge for the Clintons. Yeah. And I'm like, this person's going to be a judge. This person is going to rule over cases concerning things like rape. Yeah. And, and, and we're supposed to believe that he's going to be impartial. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, people say like, oh, well, there wasn't this kind of reaction when Neil Gorsuch was up for a nomination. It's like, 
Neil oh, when he didn't get a hearing? What? Was he the one that didn't get a hearing for two years? No, that was Merrick Garland. Garland. Yeah. That was Obama's nominee. Right. Neil Gorsuch, uh, he's... He's very right wing, and he's made a lot of right wing, like very conservative decisions in his time as a judge, or in his time as a as a, just a federal judge, not just a Supreme Court justice. But he wasn't surrounded by scandal, <laughs> right? So it's like, yeah, we tend to take a better look at people who are accused of rape. Go figure. Yeah, but you know, because she does, she doesn't remember details from thirty years ago. Then it probably didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know. It's like when I was I was in high school half that time ago, about 15 years. I don't remember things from high school. But you you know, she doesn't she can't remember uh whose house it was that she claimed to be at and um like who who was who's there or you know, what color the fucking walls were, or, you know, arbitrary shit like that. And then it's like, yeah, these four people she claims were were there with her. Said, I don't remember being at that party. It's like there are parties that I'm sure that I went to that I don't remember going to. Yeah. Like I've been to parties whose house I don't remember it was. And like said, oh, you know, I hear see, see these people saying, oh, she supposedly rushed out of the house. It's like, and her friends didn't ask her where she was the next day or where, what happened to her. It's like I've been to parties. Where I left without saying a word to anyone, and nobody, not even my best friends, asked me the next day what happened to me. So, the fact that she can't remember anything about the party is inconsequential. You know what's important? Her very clear and distinct memories of being attacked by Brett Kavanaugh and uh, Mark Judge. Yeah. That's what's important. And I mean, she took a lie detector test. And, and, passed. and passed. And Kavanaugh, who is one of the very few judges who thinks that lie detectors should be permissible in court, refused to take one. Right. And he also uh, said... That and why did he refuse to take it? Because they're not admissible in court. Right. <laughs> I'm just... I'm so disgusted. I'm disgusted with uh, every Republican senator, um, except for Murkowski. I am absolutely like sickened by Jeff Flake and Susan Collins for knowing that something was wrong and not doing anything about it. Yeah. Letting this sham FBI. And who I'm even more sickened by is uh, Senator Manchin from West Virginia because he's up for re-election in a red state. So he has to vote red in order to keep his position. Democrat. The only Democrat to vote yes. Yeah. So, b before I end this tirade, I need to express the absolute dire importance to everyone that in about, what, three weeks or so, vote. If you are not registered to vote, please go do it today. And on November 6th, get out there Put in your vote so you can get rid of these fucking animals that are running our country. There's no excuse to not be registered to vote anymore. No. Like, you can register to vote on Facebook. Yeah. I, and, 
like I'm sure you'll see the 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 link floating around Facebook or any of your social media places, and it's it's easy to go on there if you're not sure if you're registered. It'll tell you if you are or not, mm-hmm. and if you're not, it'll tell you where. Like it'll lead you to where you need to go to register. They've made it so easy yep. to register, and you know the right uh, the right wing and the the Republicans they have been actively trying to make it harder for people to register to vote, and they've been using vote. I mean, they've been doing this for decades: voter intimidation. Um, and uh, you know, especially like down in Florida, where that's been a mess for decades. Um, voter intimidation, um, you know, closing polling sites early, uh, you know, purposely making polling area, polling sites, uh, you know, f- like few and far between or slowing down the voting process, trying to make it difficult for people that they know will vote left, the ma- making it a challenge for them to get out and vote. It's because Republicans have been in power for so long in one form or another. Yeah. Where where it counts, I mean, like the, uh, the like Florida especially has been a red state for I don't even know how long. <sighs> anyway, so like I said, I'll end this by just saying, uh, expressing the absolute importance of everyone going out to vote. So it's 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 too late to win the battle against Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, there's a way. Like, uh, apparently the House of Representatives has the power to impeach a Supreme Court justice. And there's a, high, there's a higher likelihood of Democrats taking back the House next month than there is the Senate. So, feasibly, if the Democrats take back power, they can open a new investigation against Kavanaugh and have him impeached. Will they? That's another question. That's, but. yeah. The other thing is, if you are going to vote blue... Vote for a Democrat that you know isn't a spineless coward. Yeah. Well, I mean, even it doesn't matter who you're going to vote for. You should be voting for someone who's not a spineless coward. But there's a lot more of them on one side than the other. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, so, let's let's move on to happier subjects. Yeah. Speaking anyway. of voting, uh, it appears Nutter Butters are popular. <laughs> People are, are liking the Nutter Butters. I'm going to publish these results here. Nutter Butters, 100% of the votes over no Nutter Butters. Nutter Butters are so good. Seriously, though, guys. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Nutter Butter. Okay. <laughs> um, Anything else we want to talk about? Um, I don't know. After that whole thing, I don't, I don't, I don't follow that. <laughs> It got real in here. I just I've been stewing about it for for weeks, and now on Saturday when they when they cast the final vote and saw that he like we we knew going into it that he was going to get confirmed. Yeah, like going going into that vote on Saturday and that shit eating well what passes for a grin on McConnell's face. Like I just knew that he he knew he had the votes and there was going to be no question. Mitch McConnell is a, is a monster, by the way. Yeah, he's like a turtle monster. He's 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 a walking. He's like uh, he's like the snapping turtle monster from Ninja Turtles two. Yeah. Except less threatening. He's like he's like if that character was an old man. Toka is that? That sounds right. Yeah. Or is it Razar? 
I think it's Toka. Yeah. Toka the turtle. Sure. Anyway, anyway, let's uh, let's move on to some some better stuff. Okay, you want something just... easier to talk about, like horror business, like horror business. All right, starting out with some real-world horror. Uh, we had a story that sucked. It's it kind of stupid. Kind of sucked, but there wasn't anything better. Yeah. Until we found this monstrosity. Until yeah. we found Mobilim. So, have you ever looked at your phone and said, "I think my phone is missing a finger"? <laughs> nope. Nobody in the world has ever said that, except for maybe one person, Mark Tessier, or Tessier. I don't know. He has designed a robotic limb for your phone. Uh, it connects through just your standard data port on the bottom of your phone or wherever it may be. It's usually on the bottom. Usually. Some have them on the top. Do they? I remember those stupid Garmin phones having it on the top. It's like, what? what what's the point? Just to be different? Or <laughs> well, is it like ergonomically better somehow? I don't know. Anyway. Um... So, yeah, it's it's a little device that you attach to the bottom of your phone. It comes with like a little hub that kind of cradles the bottom of your phone. And jutting out from it, <clears throat> <laughs> jutting out from said device is a little, little finger. A little finger. A little black finger. Yeah. Although, you can apparently order a skin for it that looks and feels like human skin. It even has a little fucking fingernail on it. And that makes me want to vomit. That makes me want to throw up all over your head, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> so what this does is has a little finger that can do a number of things. Um, most of them look to be completely useless. But one thing it can do is... Allow your phone to crawl across the table like the steak from Poltergeist. Yeah, it's disgusting. It looks absolutely repulsive. Like it, it like drags the phone across. It just, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, in Evil Dead 2 when the hand starts dragging itself across the floor? Yeah. It's like that. It's exactly like that. Uh, and I can imagine it would only be worse if you put the finger skin on it. Oh, I would... Just stomp on it, and just kick it, and just burn it, and kill it with fire, and just just throw it in the garbage disposal. Yeah, <laughs> your fucking thousand dollar phone. Yeah, I would just, I would freak out, just lose my mind. It's awful. This is the worst thing ever. This is when science needs to stop, take a step back, and reevaluate itself. Yeah, this is science playing coulda not shoulda. Yeah, like you ever wonder what mad science actually means? That's what this is. <laughs> Like, why? And it, so another thing it can do is like you're holding your phone in your hand and you get a notification. It'll like reach out and tap you on the back of the hand or right. on your wrist. Or it'll gently caress you. I would throw my phone and be like, ah! <laughs> like if some, like in the video that we were watching, if somebody like sends you an emoji, uh, it'll caress your hand or your wrist or whatever. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. 
Like I, I think I would genuinely throw up if that thing touched me. Or if if you if it's just sitting on the counter and you get a notification, it's like. <laughs> like, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, sir. Like a fucking impatient teenager just sitting there, just. <laughs> um, and you, like it's got a, a number of different things that it can do. Like it can uh, like wrap itself around your hand to act as like a like a handle. Yeah. What? Why? I, I don't know. Uh, and uh, oh, and it, like like it comes with. It, you can get different skins for it, not just like a finger. There was this guy using like a like an app that had a cat on the screen, and like you could like pet the cat with your finger, and like the the f- little mobile limb would wag like a tail. Yeah, and, and it's like had like and, a fuzzy and he had fur on it. Yeah, it was fucking filthy. It was awful. It was absolutely repulsive. And like, how long is it until somebody designs a skin to put over it that's a dick? Even with just the finger, that's going in someone's butt. Oh, definitely. If it has not already gone in someone's <laughs> butt, it's definitely going in someone's butt. For sure. And how long is it until somebody, like, maybe Mark Tessier, or T- I don't know, whatever his name is. Uh, he's a monster. <laughs> that's his name. Dr. Monster. <laughs> how long is it until he designs something with five working digits? Note to self. Screenplay. Dr. Monster. <laughs> um. Yeah, how long is it until he puts five fingers on the thing? How long until these things fucking maximum overdrive and we got little cell phones crawling all over the floor because one of the things that this thing does is it can simulate personality and emotions. Yeah. How long is it? He's making it (laughs) self-aware. I mean, we all know that Judgment Day is coming. Like, eventually the machines are going to be self-aware. They're going to take over the world and kill us all. Do we need to help them by giving them even just a finger? Do we need that in this world? Yeah, I mean, pretty soon the finger's going to be able to like turn around and start poking buttons on the phone to call up its buddies over at Boston Mechanics to have the robots come start doing backflips on our living room. <laughs> and then what do we do? <laughs> and you know what? Fucking Donald Trump's controlling our phones now. Yeah, he's just texting people. So, I mean, do we really want him? He's going to put fingers in vaginas. <laughs> That's what he does. He grabs pussies, so. <laughs> Just remotely. Just yeah. Send, send to Mobilim. Yeah. God help anybody that falls asleep with their phone on or near their crotch. <laughs> because Donald Trump is going to put fingers in you. <laughs> He's going to put his Mobilim in your butt. Uh, this is terrible. I hate this. This is awful why is this happening yeah why are you doing this to me (laughs) it's like you said earlier this is one of those instances where it's like science is just not thinking you're is thinking more could i rather than should i right and we've made aids airborne and contagious congratulate (laughs) yeah you you get it (laughs) No, I was gonna say congratulations, but that's not <laughs> something to be congratulated for. No, it's we're we're science. The world's an awful. I fucked place. up the joke. Sorry, Patton Oswalt. Moral of the story is, guys. I mean, leading back to the beginning of the show, 
the world is an awful place, I suggest that you dig yourself a bunker and just live in it. Yeah. Keep your phone fingers out. <laughs> don't put fingers on your phone. Just moral <laughs> of the story. Yeah, just don't do it. Last thing we need is our mobile devices to be mobile themselves. <laughs> So a couple episodes back, we talked about the sequel to Train to Busan that's coming out, uh, tentatively titled um, something, Peninsula, I think. Mm. Is that what it was? Um, <clears throat> maybe. Something like that. <laughs> maybe. Uh, well, not content to leave well enough alone. Uh, New Line Pictures is going to be making a, an American remake of Train to Busan because people don't want to read. Yep. That's the only reason this movie is, is coming to existence. Yeah, and people want to see white people on the screen. Amer- Americans, anyway. Americans are more comfortable with white people. Yeah. Which is why there are, like, no, like, very few, like, minority superheroes or anything. Yeah. Uh, this is being written by Gary Doberman, or Doberman, whatever his name is, uh, who, of course, wrote It, but also wrote a lot of shitty things, like yep. Annabelle. Uh, and it's going to be produced... By one Mr. James Wan. Right. Which informs the f- previous statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, New Line outbid Paramount, Lionsgate, and Screen Gems. So for some reason, multiple studios wanted this. I think it was probably more at some point that these <clears throat> other studios are just like, you know what? Take it. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, one of them, I think it was Universal, was the first one to just be like, yeah, no. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, the, the originals... Okay, I don't want to bother. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no need for this, especially while they're making a sequel. Right. It's like having two child's play storylines. Yep. Or two puppet master storylines. Or two Friday the Thirteenth storylines. Mm. Get into that in a second. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, basically, this is just it's, you know, it's. A rehash of what we did in the 2000s when we just started making American versions of all the popular Asian horror movies. Yeah, and remember how many of those were good? Like one? (laughs) For like one viewing? Which one? (laughs) The Ring was good one time. Okay, yeah, I'll concede that. (laughs) All Uh, the rest of them were bad right from the the jump. (laughs) The Gurge was bad. Sorry, I didn't like The Gurge. I know a lot of people like it. The Gurge was bad. Uh, That one with Pacey. Uh, <laughs> Shudder was that it? Um, Shudder, yeah, the one where his like girlfriend or something, or he, he or his girlfriend buys like a haunted camera or something. Oh, Ooh, haunted camera! Then <laughs> <laughs> there was the eye. Yeah, that was bad too. With, uh, was that the one with Jessica Alba? Mm-hmm. They were all bad. They were all bad, and the problem was too is like the originals weren't that good either. Well, and there's like such a vast difference in the disposition between Asian culture and American culture. Yeah. And the the same scares that worked in the Asian movies just did not work over here. Right. People were like, oh, it's a creepy VHS tape. Okay. It's like, yeah. So, I, I remember when we watched VHSs. Yeah. <laughs> and then they kept making sequels and it was like, no one watches, like, no one watches VHS anymore. This premise is flawed. Yeah. 
And he's like, here, watch this creepy VHS. Oh, VCR, fuck off. <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then like in the, the new one, uh, Rings, it like goes on to like YouTube and like so it becomes just, like a social media thing. Oh, okay. That's a clever. A but bit. still, it's like behind behind the curve. Yeah. It's like that may have been interesting when social media or like when YouTube was like not necessarily in its inception, but like when everything was YouTube. Or maybe it still is. I don't know. I mean, YouTube's still, I, as far as I know, it's the second largest social or, uh, search engine. I guess. I don't know. I just feel like them making rings into something on, you know, like a, a like streaming video. I think it's like an old... <clears throat> it feels to me like an old person trying to be cool. Sounds like Hollywood. Yeah. Hello there, fellow students. I mean, that's the thing. Like when you're making movies, like they take so long to make most of the time. And, you know, technology moves at the speed of light that by the time the movie actually comes out, the technology it's about is obsolete. Yeah. Like uh, one missed call. Oh, God. Spooky. What if your phone could kill you? <laughs> There's a, yeah, I mean, another J-horror adaptation. Just fucking awful. Just take the battery out. We win. <laughs> Run it over with a car. It's, it's fine. That's, you know, going back to that Child's Play thing. Like, the new Child's Play is about a doll that has the AI is messed up and goes haywire. Take the fucking battery out. Sure, yeah. Boom, you're done. It's not like he's possessed by a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. And also, you remember when that movie was called Small Soldiers? You remember when that movie was called Treehouse of Horror? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, here's your problem. Somebody set this thing to evil. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, I'm expecting this to be bad. Probably. Yeah. It's going to be 28 trains later. What? It's going to be 28 trains later. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. It's going to be 28 days later on a train. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. That's because they were all with Patrick like Wilson. That. Patrick Wilson. Because it's James Wan. Probably, yeah. I mean, that would make more sense, I guess. People like him. He's all right. It's probably the best thing about those movies. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I like him as an actor. Yeah, he's fine. I don't want to see him in anything that James Wan even like, like looked at. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, fuck this. Fuck this stupid fucking goddamn fucking movie. So for the last year or so, we've been working on the shittiest Friday the 13th sequel in existence. <laughs> like, worse than Jason Goes to Hell. And that was bad. And I'm talking about the legal battle between Sean Cunningham slash Horror Inc. and Victor Miller. Uh, Victor Miller, of course, was the original writer of the first Friday the 13th film, and Sean Cunningham is... The director of the original... Um, and producer of all of them. Yeah, he produced all of them. I can't remember if he directed any others. I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> but um, Victor Miller, due to some ridiculous law <laughs> that was apparently written to protect people from like being... For willingly signing shitty deals. <laughs> I mean, that, that 
the way that I read that, I mean, that's essentially what it was. There's a law put in place so that in 30 years, people can get out from under the shitty deals that they willingly signed. Pretty much, yeah. It's stupid. <laughs> it's like, you fucked up 30 years ago. You have to deal with that. <clears throat> but basically, it allows him to... We've talked about this before, but the law allows him to um, basically re renegotiate... No, not necessarily renegotiate, but makes the original agreement void or something. Yeah. Um, and allows him to collect on any missed royalties or any royalties that he should have been owed had he signed a decent contract. Sean Cunningham uh, argued that he was basically a hired gun, hired to do a single project. He was paid for that project, and that was the end of their business together. Um, you know, anybody who's knows the Friday the 13th series at all knows that. So in the first movie, the characters that Victor Miller wrote, he designed Friday. He came up with the name Friday the 13th. I believe he came up with Pamela Voorhees, Camp Crystal Lake, Camp Crystal Lake, and Jason Voorhees, the child who right. drowned 30 years, 30 years ago. Um, now, in Friday the 13th 2, when Jason is an adult and becomes the primary killer, Victor Miller had nothing to do with that. Yeah, except for the name Jason Voorhees, basically. Yeah, the name Jason Voorhees and any mention of Pamela Voorhees in any subsequent um, sequel, he owns the rights to that. So, I, I mean, I can only imagine that he was... Pay or, actually, he, I guess he didn't own the rights to that. But he should have been paid under this new deal or whatever, he should have been paid for it and should receive royalties for those things. Now, this has basically put any further development of the Friday the 13th series in any way, shape, or form, uh, you know, sequels, uh, the Friday the 13th game. Um, that TV show that was rumored for a while. Right, and, uh, and uh, any uh, uh, merchandising whatsoever it's all come to a halt yeah it's all in limbo <clears throat> until now because u.s district court judge stefan underhill has granted a summary judgment in favor of victor miller against the producers unfortunately his full opinion is under wraps at the moment so it's impossible to fully analyze implications of de of the determination for both the friday the 13th franchise as well as other screenwriters who have made written work made written works in the early 1980s and may now have hopes of clawing back rights from producers. The decision has been pending for almost a year now, and the uncertainty over ownership has re reportedly interfered with the new sequels being made, as well as derivative works like video games. Uh, Miller's victory also holds the prospect that he will control the rights inside of the... Now, now here's where things get, get really messy. Stupid. Um, and, and where the whole dance of property rights gets just absolutely ridiculous. Miller's victory also holds the prospect that he will control rights inside the United States while producers, a.k.a. Horror, Horror Inc. slash Sean Cunningham, control rights outside the domestic market where termination recapture isn't applied. So basically, uh, Victor Miller has all of those, right, those subsequent rights inside of the United States but Sean Cunningham has every right to go outside of the United States and produce whatever the fuck he wants. Yep. 
So he can go out. He can go to uh, Hungary and make a Friday the Thirteenth movie, market and sell it and distribute it over there, and then have it imported to here. Yeah. And he he wouldn't be able to use the Friday the Thirteenth name, right? But because I mean, like I'm obviously not a lawyer, especially not an entertainment lawyer. But I'm thinking my understanding is that he could sell the movie. Like he'd have to change the title if it was Friday the Thirteenth. And I mean that would essentially be it. I'm pretty sure he could still use all the character names. Well, yeah, because I mean, on top of all that. It says there also could be fussing over trademarks as well as the character of Jason. According to the producers, Miller created a Jason character who died as a young boy while it was a young boy (laughs) while it was sequels that presented Jason as a living adult monster. Yeah. So essentially they're claiming that they own Jason. Victor Miller does not own Jason. He can make Friday the 13th movie starring Pamela Voorhees till the cows come home. Mm -hmm. But Jason Voorhees is their property. And so, so... and I mean, this whole thing happened before with New Line and Paramount. That's why we had Jason goes or Jason takes Manhattan and Jason goes to hell. That's why those movies aren't called Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, Freddy vs. Jason, Jason X. Um, it was only when there was a partnership with Paramount that they for the remake that they got to call it Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. again. But what you said about owning the rights to Pamela Voorhees. And Jason Voorhees. They can have a character named Jason if they want. No, they it's can, not Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Like if they they can call him Jason till they're blue in the face and it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. They just can't say the name Voorhees. Yeah. They can have a big hulking monster in a hockey mask carrying machete. However they want. They can use the image and the 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 title. Um just the only things they can't use are Pamela Voorhees. And the name Friday, Chris, 13th. And Friday the 13th and, and Crystal Lake. Lake. Yeah. They can use in, in, you know, in Jason Voorhees. So, I mean, it, this is just a ridiculous, and it, it's, it's a power play that like, yeah, I mean, Victor Miller won his case, but what did he really win? Like he gets what royalties for movies that were made 30 plus years ago. And then that's it. I guess. Stupid. Cause I mean, there is a reason. I mean, Friday the 13th is still like it's it's a brand, though. It's it's a very strong brand. And, you know, if he's going to sell merchandise or whatever with the name Friday the 13th, that's going to make him money. Sure. Um, but if he can't use Jason, it's like, what really can you merchandise? Yeah. I mean, if he, no he, one's buying Pamela Voorhees action no, figures. Nobody gives a shit about Pamela Voorhees. That's why, like, only a small number of Friday the 13th fans actually say the first movie is the best one. Yeah. Like there are people, there are like old crotchety bastards that are like in their fifties. They're like, oh, well, the first movie is the only good one. It's like you're fucking drunk, Grandpa. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, mom, Grandpa called me a homo. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so Horror Inc. Uh, responded to the decision, saying we are disappointed in the court's ruling and disagree with its conclusion. We are considering our options and in- including an appeal. So I hope you didn't think this was over. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Obviously, they were going to appeal. Yeah. Whoever lost was going to appeal. And maybe they'll go all the way to Supreme Court, where the... Let's not. <laughs> they'll probably get their decision. Um, 
See, uh, we are considering our options, including an appeal. In the meantime, the court was very clear that its ruling is in its ruling in favor of Mr. Miller is limited to the original screenplay in which Jason's mother is the killer and that Mr. Miller's termination notice did not purport to terminate the separate copyright in the iconic supernatural killer who wears a hockey mask. It also does not grant any rights to Mr. Miller that would enable him to use any element of the original screenplay outside of the United States. So not only can he not use the image of Jason, he, uh, and the only things he has rights to are Pamela Voorhees and Camp Crystal Lake and the name Friday the 13th. He can't sell it anywhere outside of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> he can't even sell it in Canada, where a lot of movies are filmed nowadays. Yeah. Like, it says any element. So even the things that he won, he can't use outside of the United States. So it's like, what was the point? I don't think he thought this through. I think he wasted a lot of people's time and money, including his own. And, you know, typically I'm on the side of the little guy. You know, I don't, I don't like to see big corporations win things like this. But this was just dumb. This was a bad I mean, move. You know, my hope was for a settlement and so that they could actually still make, if they were going to make more Friday the 13th, which I, at this point I don't even really care if they do, but that it would be Friday the 13th with Jason Voorhees and it would all be a big happy family. Mm-hmm. But that's obviously not going to happen. Right. Following the guidelines set down by the Colt's, Colt. Colt. <laughs> Court's ruling, uh, we intend to aggressively explore many op- opportunities for new projects featuring settings and characters, including the hockey mask wearing killer, not included in Mr. Miller's screenplay, and are in fact currently in development on new projects that are consistent with the ruling, and which, which will be announced soon. Oh? <laughs> My ears just perked up. New developments. (laughs) Currently in development on new projects, he says. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Uh, I was like something similar to what you just said. Like I was thinking it would be nice that if this continues to get held up in court because that will prevent either party from creating another sequel that they're bound to fuck up. Yeah. That would stop either party from selling it to Tommy Blum. Yep. That's... That's my biggest concern at this point, is that fucking Tommy Blum is going to get his greasy fingers all over it, and then just ruin it. I mean, I'm... Like, he ruins everything else. I'm waiting to see Halloween before I... Oh, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Halloween could be, like, the best one ever made, and I still don't care, (laughs) because Blumhouse can fuck off. (laughs) Stay the fuck away from Friday the 13th and anything featuring a supernatural hockey mask wearing killer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so look out for Jason Returns coming 2021. <laughs> Definitely not Friday the 13th. <laughs> for legal purposes. <laughs> and then also look out for Friday the 13th part 13 coming to you from Saskatchewan. What? Because he can... They can make it outside the country. No, we can't make it outside. They the can. Oh, they can. Yes. Like Horror Inc. could make two different franchises at the same time that are the same fucking franchise. Oh, they could make the same movie, just retitle it. That's true. Piece of cake. Rights are a funny thing. <clears throat> That's why, like, I, I don't know if I've said it on the show before, but I've said it to you. It's like, if I were to make a property of any sort, a song... Uh, a movie, a cartoon, whatever. 
I would make sure that I owned everything. Yeah. I would control all creative interests in that, into perpetuity. I would set up a trust to continually pay for the rights after my death. So nobody else could ever own it. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, this is just a mess. And it's, it doesn't look like it's going to get solved anytime soon. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's talk about another embattled relationship, sort mm, of. Let's. <laughs> So you may have heard of this little independent feature. Uh, it was called Night of the Living Dead. I have heard of that. Uh, it was written by two gentlemen. One was named Mr. George Romero. One was named Mr. John Russo. Uh, after this movie, the two split up, went their separate ways. John Russo got the rights to the name Living Dead, uh, which is why all of Romero's subsequent movies were just of the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Russo, in the late 90s, uh, announced he was going to produce a movie called Children of the Living Dead. But then another movie called The Same Thing was released in 2001 and was nothing like what Russo had planned. It was probably duty. Uh, apparently it was so bad that John Russo apologized for it. <laughs> Even though he had yeah, nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with it, but he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but Russo <laughs> is now apparently going to write a novel of his version of Children of the Living Dead, but he's going to call it Epidemic of the Living Dead. Hmm. Uh, it starts with infected needles and spreads like a plague. Soon the town of Chapel Grove, Pennsylvania is overrun with cannibalistic... Overrun? I was going to let it go, but... <laughs> overrun with cannibalistic corpses. Some are taken down with a bullet to the brain, others torched like kindling, but a few have survived inside a maternity ward. Detective Bill Curtis manages to rescue his pregnant wife, Lauren, from the ward in the nick of time, but the other pregnant women are not so lucky. Some of them have been bitten and infected. Now it's anyone's guess what's going in, what's growing inside them. So we covered this in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. That's right, with the pregnant lady with uh, Mackay Pfeiffer's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking zombie baby. It's just so stupid. <laughs> just flying across the room. <laughs> Uh, But the nightmare isn't over yet. The infected mother's newborns appear to be normal, but as the years go by, Bill and Lauren Curtis begin to worry about their beautiful, healthy daughter, Jody. Jody is drawn to the town's quote-unquote special children, the ones whose mothers were bitten. They're reaching adolescence now, their hormones are raging, and they're starting to possess strange appetites. That's weird. That is weird. It's like, it's it's cooties. I mean, I guess, but like... Are you? Are they implying that the like the zombie virus is recessive? Yeah, know. basically, it's it's docile until they hit puberty. Re- docile or dormant—that's the word yeah. I was looking for. Um, that's weird. Like, I mean, I know there's supposed to be there's supposed to be a suspension of disbelief as far as like science goes and things like this, but it seems like a stretch. I mean, there, there's everything's been done in the zombie genre. It's true. Even zombie babies. Yeah. And even this, like we said, it's just, this is cooties. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you feel like reading it, it's now available on Amazon. Yeah. I want him to make another movie. <laughs> I wish he would have just made the movie. Yeah. 
I mean, I know writing a book is cheaper, but still, it's John Russo. And George Romero's dead now. <laughs> yeah, you think you'd be like, hey, I'm the only one left. Make my movie. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, he, Romero claimed that nobody wanted to make his movies, so. Because his movies were shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, uh, your quality kind of tapered off at the end there, George, so maybe there's yeah. a reason. I mean, everything after everything he made after, let's say Day of the Dead, was garbage. It was pretty bad. I know a lot of people like Land of the Dead, but Land of the Dead was way too heavy-handed for me. Yeah. And if you liked Land of the Dead, I think you might be drunk. <laughs> Seriously, what was there to like in there? Just a lot of bad... De- Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Dennis Hopper, heavy-handed, uh, politically driven uh, plot... And John Lake was on his bad acting. The whole thing was just really, everything was poorly put together. And it was, that was the one where it really started to be that zombies can learn and evolve. Right. And it was like, I've said this on the show many times before, implying that a dead thing can evolve is ridiculous. Makes no sense. Like, sure. <laughs> You have to have a certain stretch of the imagination to believe that the dead can walk. Sure. That's just the way it goes in a zombie movie. Mm -hmm. But then to further believe that a dead thing can evolve. So basically, as they're rotting, they're getting smarter. Right. As their brain tissue is literally wasting away, somehow they're becoming more intelligent. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here, George. (laughs) Yeah, and then that just kept building in future episodes or movies. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, if you want to read this book, like I said, it's available on Amazon, so go read it. Or don't. Whatever. I'm not your dad. <laughs> just the same old thing. All right, so Full Moon. Is this Full Moon. Is it just Full Moon now? I know they've changed their names a I, dozen. I think they times. have like different subsidiaries, right? But I know the main brand used like it was Full Moon Films, and I think it was like Full Moon Cinema or something like that. I think it was Full Moon Pictures at one point. Yeah. So is it just Full Moon now? I don't know. Thank you, Taylor. Hey, what are you doing? Getting my charger. Oh. Okay. Anyway, um, so Full Moon has announced Bunker of Blood. Uh, it's an eight-part feature film. You can't do this while I'm talking? Did you want me to put my hand between your legs? You don't have to put it between my legs. But I could if I wanted to. No. That's my special purpose. Don't touch it. Special purpose? Um, Okay. Full Moon's Bunker of Blood is an eight-part feature film series designed to shock and scare. Drawing from nearly three decades of cinematic splatter and freakish filmmaking, Bunker of Blood is a gory greatest hits of all the legendary studio's strangest and sickest sequences framed by an all-new outrageous narrative. Wait a minute. What? So they're stitching together scenes from different movies? It's like in Friends when they would have like the recap episodes. That's they're making eight of these <laughs> apparently. Or no, I think it's one movie that's eight parts. 
It's like it's like an anthology. It says an eight part feature film series. Oh, then yes. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Using lavish illustrated comic book panels, so creep show mm-hmm. to tell the twisted tale of masochistic of a masochistic yeah masochistic drifter and the mad guru of gore. The series will drive viewers deep into the dark, dank depths of a madman's macabre lair. This is abs. Oh God, damn it! What the <laughs> hell, man? This sounds so ridiculous. The stomach-churning adventure starts off with Puppet Master Blitzkrieg Massacre, in which the gore collector culls the sickest moments from the eleventh, eleven-film deep Puppet Master series, mashing them together with macabre music and brand new moments of body-breaking mayhem. Oh my god, this sounds awful. Like I said, it sounds like a recap episode of a sitcom in movie form. Yeah. Like, how how can they justify this? I wonder. <laughs> I don't think they can. I don't think they would bother to. <laughs> it's like, how can you... How can you basically make the feature film version of, yeah, of, 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 of a recap, look back sitcom episode, market it as a new film and sell it to people? How can you, how? Like this. <laughs> Wasn't there like a, um, God, what was it? There was some sequel to a series that was basically just a bunch of, it was one of the Silent Night, Deadly, Deadly Night movies. Or it was just a bunch of flashbacks of the previous movies. No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I forget which one it was, but um, that's essentially what it was. Oh my god! In an unknown dystopian future, a drifter with an unusually high tolerance for pain is helped, held captive in a horrific hospital by the Circle of Psychosurgeons, a clandestine crew of MDs. That's medical deviants. See what they did there. Yeah, they jacked off. They jacked off all over the place. Yeah, they did. It's <laughs> a big wank. This is all a big wank. <laughs> it really is. Who are experimenting with human suffering. Suddenly, our shackled hero hears the call of the gore collector. A sadistic curator. <laughs> a sadistic curator of carnage who is well past his prime and now seeks, seeks an heir to take over his evil oper- operation. Escaping from the lurid lab, the drifter enters the underground lair of the gore collector. There, the perverse programmer pops in a vile videotape. Again, with the video. This alliteration is fucking driving me it's crazy. It's making me sick. <laughs> and begins the process of try, uh, trying to warp the man's mind with some of the goriest and most gruesome moments from Full Moon's iconic film franchises. It's an all-out assault to the senses that makes... It sounds like an assault on the senses. Uh, damn it. Hold on. That makes a clockwork oranges lud, lud, uh, help lud, Ludovico technique, uh, look like outtakes from Mr. Rogers neighborhood. So basically he sits this guy down and just makes him watch old full moon movies. Yeah. Which, you know, do you see, (laughs) look at the things I have done. Uh, I can imagine that being a form of torture. (laughs) Um, Look at this castle freak. Do you see? I mean, for every good full moon movie, there's like two or three bad ones. So. Yeah. That being said, this could be very bad for anyone that has to actually sit through it. But 
if you're the gambling type, it is now available on Amazon Prime and FullMoonStreaming.com. The DVD release of each Bunker of Blood title will soon follow after, which, will, which when all eight are collected, will reveal a secret mural painting on the spine. Ooh. Oh, well, that's a reason to buy it right there. God. Who thought this was a good idea? So I mean, I would hope... Full moon. I would hope Charles Band himself would like be smarter than this, but oh man, <laughs> I'm so disappointed. <laughs> like you know, we did a full moon episode, and I talked about how I've been watching full moon movies since I was a kid, so I have like a a passion for them. But this is awful. <laughs> I would love to get Danny Nightmare's take on this. Because he loves him some full he's moon. A, yeah, he's a big full moon guy. We should reach out to him. Hey, Danny, or Corey, Corey, whoever might be listening to this, what do you think of this? Yeah, leave us a comment on our website. Anyway, that's it. Just making us watch recaps of movies that we put out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So Maleka Cod, who is the producer of the Halloween series, including the upcoming Blumhouse release, uh, still wants to make a Halloween TV show. He said in an interview with Bloody Disgusting, you know, it's something that we've had for a long time and I definitely want to see it done. What? We've had for a long time. Like an idea you've had for a long time? What does that mean? Uh, when we started doing it, this was in development a, about a decade ago. At the time, I think the thought was, we don't want to cannibalize the theatrical. Let's keep it as a theatrical event movie. If that starts flowing down, we would address TV. Nowadays, we all know TV is pulling out ahead of theatrical in a way that surprised everybody, certainly me. You remember when they made too many Halloween movies and the idea of watching Michael Myers on screen just became a joke? But then they made they started making the reboot, and everybody suddenly had hope again. The first reboot or the Rob Zombie reboot? This the the one they're doing now. Oh, that reboot! This is the third time they've rebooted this series. I just realized that. I consider H two O a reboot. It, to me, H two O is like the most literal definition of a reboot. Rob Zombie's is a remake. Yeah. Anyway, H two O was like a return to form, and then they made that god awful resurrection. Yeah, they killed Laurie Strode. Like, whose genius idea was that? By throwing her off a roof. Like, <laughs> that was it. Anticlimactic. She survived for over twenty years. Michael Myers, and like, she was in what four movies? Um, well, first, she was only in two. She's in the first one, second one. Then Third she one's was in, its own thing. She wasn't in one of the middle ones. No, I think in four they say that they just like say that she died in a car accident. But in like when it comes to H two O, we find out she actually just disappeared, changed her identity. Yeah. Okay, so that's three, and then and then resurrection is resurrection. So yeah. So um, anyway. But yeah, so my point was, it's like, you know, they 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 did they made Halloween one and they made Halloween two. 
And everybody's like, yeah, fuck yeah, Michael Myers, man. And then they made Halloween 3, and everybody's like, what the hell is this? Yeah, everyone's like, where's Michael Myers? And then they made 4, and everybody's like, oh, that's not good. (laughs) And then they made 5 and 6, and everybody just like, this is not working. (laughs) Well, 4 was not terrible. It's not like in in the upper echelon of the series, but it's not the worst. And it seems like four did okay because people were like, oh yeah, the return of Michael Myers. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna go check that out. And so they were like, make make another one, make another one now, now, go, 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 go. Yeah. And so five just feels super rushed and mm-hmm. awful. But you know, Paul Rudd, so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then six was like, they're like, I don't know what the fuck to do now. Just make a they're cult. He's in a cult. Do that. It, it's like do they something took, with the cult. It's like they took a different movie and put Michael Myers in it, which may have been what they did. Yeah. They may have J.J. Uh, Abrams that. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so anyway. But everybody is so shiny and bright with this hope that this new Blumhouse movie is going to be so good. And, you know, by all respect, the, the trailers make it look like it actually could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like a true return to form, you know, making a very good Halloween sequel for once. Um. But now they want to make a TV show. It's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going to ruin it again. <laughs> I feel like like the Scream TV show had enough acclaim that they think that every slasher would make a, TV, a good TV show now. But the thing about like Scream is that the killer changed all the time. It, it could have been anybody. Yeah. But like that when they, like when the they tried to do the Friday the Thirteenth TV show, and now if they try to do this Halloween TV show, it just doesn't have that every week ability. Yeah, I mean, like the thing about Michael Myers or Jason is uh, that they are a constant. You know, they're 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 never resting. They're, they're in in the movies. They're constantly coming after you. You 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 can never. Uh, turn your back or, you know, you, you have to expect them around every corner. You can't continue that on on a weekly serialized basis. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'd have to hire people for like two or three episodes because Michael's got to be killing folks or else what's the point? Yeah. And it's just like, if if Michael Myers is killing people every week for God knows how long, people are going to catch him. <laughs> You'd think, And right? they're going to put him down because... He is still human. Like, he may be seemingly unstoppable, but you put a bullet in his head and he's going to go down. Yeah. Well, I mean, they put bullets in him and he got back up. But Yeah, but that's like... Because, you know, he's the shape or whatever. Uh, Akkad said, the one we were developing and that I still feel really strongly about, Michael Myers, is involved in it. That's really all I can say about it now. It wouldn't look anything like your traditional Halloween movie, but he's in there as are a lot of other characters, but used in different and interesting ways. That sounds stupid. (laughs) That's nothing. He said nothing. It's got Michael Myers and others. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's a fucking Halloween TV show. I would hope it has Michael Myers, unless you're making Halloween 3 the TV show. Or unless you're making like a... Which might be a better idea. (laughs) That might have more lasting power. Wait, a what TV show? Halloween 3. Oh. Maybe, yeah. There's more places you can go with that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you if you made a Halloween TV show but recaptured what they were going for originally to make 
an anthology series, mm-hmm. that would be a better idea. That might work, yeah. You could market it as Halloween. And, you know, the, the purists would know, oh, yeah, this is what they meant to do. Yeah, but you know what would happen? Everyone would say, where's Michael Myers? Yeah. And then they'd use Michael Myers every week, and then everyone would get everyone, everyone would get bored. say, this is stupid, and stop watching. Yeah, everyone would get bored of it. Yeah. And then the cycle continues. <laughs> and then they'll reboot the movie franchise again. Anyway. Anyway, that's it for horror business. We made it. That's... Seems like a long time. That did feel like a long time. That was kind of a long time. Yeah, a little. Anyway. Anyway, let's just uh, keep keep the show rolling then. Let's do that. Let's jump into some movie reviews. All right, guys. So this is Week of the Zombie, and we've picked two movies that have been debated whether or not they're actual zombie movies. Yeah, neither one is your uh, your typical zombie movie. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we both managed to pick movies like that. Yeah. Not, we didn't discuss it. It mm-hmm. just happened. Anyway, uh, which one do you start with? Uh, I want to get Dead Girl out of the way before my girlfriend comes home. <laughs> okay. Joanne to puberty, you ain't getting her back. Look, man, what are we gonna do? Let's go to the nut house. What do you say? Are there any security guards there or something? There's no security guards, man. The place is dead. think it might be triggering uh she saw a little of it while i was watching it and she did not like what she saw mm. makes sense um, 
Yeah, before we get into this, I do want to issue a little bit of a trigger warning here. Uh, this movie does deal with sexual assault. So, I mean, if that is a sensitive issue for you, uh, maybe skip this review. Yeah, we won't blame you. It's, this is... Um, yeah, I mean, we're not going to get into any kind of graphic detail or anything, but there there are... That, that subject is a, a major plot point in this film. So just be, be forewarned. I could suggest that this is sort of a trashy movie. Yeah. So, yeah, be forewarned. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Our main characters are Ricky and JT. Ricky is played by Shiloh Fernandez, who you may know as David from the Evil Dead remake. Uh, JT is Noah Segan, who was in uh, Contracted. He was in Starry Eyes. He's been in a handful of things. Basically those L.A. indie director crews, like he's been in pretty much all their movies. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So they're these two just trash bags, um, high school seniors, just white trash. Just they're just bad people. Um, you know they're the kind of people who get in trouble at school all the time. Um, and laugh about it. Yeah, and just and they both just kind of like hate their their situation in life. Yeah. Um, and like uh, Ricky, he's got this guy. I mean, I'm kind of jumping Ricky. ahead. A little. Yeah, Ricky. <laughs> Every time they said his name, that's what I heard in my head. But like. He lives with his mom, and you never see his mom like through this entire movie. But who you do see is his mom's, or his mom's boyfriend. And I can't remember his name. Clint. Clint. Okay, that that wasn't even in my head, but it, I didn't think it was right. Anyway, Clint, uh, who who looks like a piece of shit. Yep. And like he's he's like he's always drinking. Um, and he's always got a can of beer in his hand, uh, and he looks just like an abusive stepdad, but he's actually like an okay guy. <laughs> yes and the fact that i mean he's not abusive he's not super mean to him but at the same time he's also like man you got to go out there and get pussy and did he do that he said he like basically he was like ricky would come home with his face all busted up you know bruises and cuts all over his face and basically tell him that he needs to man up and like like take charge of his of, of his life basically and like learn how to kick people's asses and like not take any shit from people yeah i mean he encourages them to fight and he says you know like you know i, I hope she's hot because you know if you're getting in this many fights over a girl she better be hot yeah but, but i mean he's he's superficial and like i said he encourages them to fight but yeah he's not like abusive he's not it's an it's, asshole yeah, he's it, not as bad as ricky treats him no it, yeah so like yeah his advice is maybe misguided but like coming from a pure place, like he's like really trying to be supportive. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not even like his dad or even his stepdad. He's his mom's boyfriend. And I mean, he, he also, he's, you know, he's staying with them. Right. Because for whatever reason, he got kicked out of his apartment or whatever. Yeah. And he drinks all of his mom's beer. So he's not like, he's not a stand up dude. No. But, <laughs> but he's, he's definitely not the kind of, yeah. He's well intentioned. Yeah. He's not the kind of <laughs> asshole that Ricky makes him out to be. Exactly. Because, Ricky treats him like shit. Yeah. Anyway. So one day uh, they're like, "Let's we're going to skip school. Let's go head out to this abandoned mental institution mm-hmm. and just hang out and drink beers. Fucking party. And bro. so they do. They break in and they're drinking beers and just wrecking the place, um, just making a mess, breaking all the windows and whatever. And then for what somehow, I don't know how JT knew about this. But he's like, you know, let's go down to the basement and check out what's down there. I don't think he knew. 
Well, I mean, for like for whatever reason, he was like, let's go down to the basement. Right, yeah. You just want to go check it out. And uh, so they go down there and they, they see this stray dog that's living down there and is like super aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, how did they get away from the dog the first time? I don't remember. They closed the door behind. No. They just ran and... They... Yeah, so they they're down in the basement and they find this door hidden by behind look like incubators. I think my memory is saying they're incubators. They move them out of the way and they open the door, and they're walking down this hallway to another just rusty, like furnace room looking door, like this big heavy metal door, and that's when the dog shows up. I think, and they run to that door and close okay. behind them. Pretty sure that's what happened. All right. And so in this door or in this room, they find this woman chained to a bed and covered uh, in plastic. Yeah. And they're like, we got to get out of here. Let's let's go. Um, We got to (laughs) go. But then later, JT reveals to Ricky that he went back and he was uh, that this woman is alive and that he was having sex with her. Uh, <clears throat> JT, JT's just like in a under a bridge or something shooting a gun. That was Ricky. Oh yeah, that's what that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. And JT comes Ricky. up. <laughs> JT comes up and just like, hey, I got to show you something. And so they go back, and he takes the gun and he shoots the the. the he names her dead girl, mm-hmm. and he shoots her three times, or three or four times in the stomach, and she just like, you know, keeps raising her head and moaning and. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's like, you know, I've killed her three times. <laughs> yeah, he talks about how you like he crawled on top of her and like he, she, she, she started, snapped at him. Yeah, yeah, she started biting at him and he just choked her to death. Yeah, and then she came back to life. Yeah, and then he said he started hitting her and like he started enjoying hitting her. JT is really fucked up. Yep. You know, you get the impression that he has a bad home life, but you really get no indication of such. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get a you don't get a very good glimpse into either of their home lives. True, except for you know Ricky's relationship with Clint, but you never see JT at home. Nope, he's actually always with the dead girl. <laughs> yeah, it kind of seems like he just moved into that basement. Yeah, and there's a Wheeler who is a f- friend at school he like comes down there and he tells jt it's like how long you been here man because it's starting to stink in here yeah yeah so he um you know ricky and jt they're like we're gonna keep this to ourselves we gotta keep this a secret but then jt is like hey wheeler you want to come see something and he takes him down there and just like lets wheeler go to town on this girl Mm -hmm. and he kind of like just pimps her out yeah and the whole time, Ricky is just like, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. But he doesn't tell anybody. Right. He's complicit. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a that's a new popular word here in America. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, and so Ricky is infatuated with this girl named Joanne. And he they had a kiss when they were 12. And he's never, he's, you know, held her on a pedestal ever since. Mm-hmm. And she has this super douchey boyfriend named Johnny. Yeah. And uh who you really want to hate, 
but like Ricky's a piece of shit too. <laughs> That's something I'll get into a little bit later. <clears throat> but there's like no likable characters in this. There's really not. I mean, except for maybe Joanne. Yeah, there's definitely no likable male characters. Yeah. By the way, this is written by Trent Haga, <laughs> who you might know as Killjoy. <laughs> right. As the Killjoy. Um, but so one day, uh, Johnny punches Ricky's lights out because he sees him ogling Joanne. Mm-hmm. Wheeler comes and tries to help him. And he gets punched in the face for his troubles. And Wheeler just starts going off. And he's like, you know, fuck you. We don't need her. We, we got our own whore. Right. And so Johnny's just like, all right, show me. Yeah. Basically, in, in not so many words. Yeah. It, the, the reaction was like, wait, you got a whore? Yeah. And it's like, get in the trunk. <laughs> like, wait, what? <clears throat> yeah. So they take Johnny and his friend, Douchey, to the basement where... <laughs> Where JT is sitting in a dirty old bathrobe and his underwear, looking like some kind of white trash Hugh Hefner. Exactly. And he just like spins around in this office chair, just like, I've been expecting you. <laughs> <laughs> like the shittiest Bond villain ever. Yeah. Like, I, this movie's, for some reason, Wikipedia says it's a black comedy. I don't think it is. That was the only part that I, that I laughed at. But it was just because JT looked so fucking stupid. <laughs> But, I mean, he basically tells Johnny and Dushi, he's like, you know, there she is. Why don't, you, why don't you go to town? And they're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. This is fucked up. And then he like he turns to Ricky and is just like, I got my own pussy at home. I don't need this. And Ricky's like, why don't, why don't you try the mouth? Bet Joanne doesn't give you that. And, you know, as we know at this point, dead girl is a zombie. And what do zombies do? They fucking bite. They bite dicks. So she bites his dick off. <clears throat> she bite it off. Not that it matters, but there's literally like a flash, like a split second of her ripping. And I don't know if it she ripped it completely off or just mangled it. There's no graphic violence in this. It's just a lot of like blood splatters. Yeah. Um and the and the, the sex scenes are not particularly graphic either. It's mostly man ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Dead Girl is naked through the, the whole entire, entire movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of like full frontal, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, but shots like from the in back the too. least sexualized way you can imagine. Yeah, it's it's not just t- t- it's not titillating. No, I mean, f- getting aroused by this in any way, shape, or form, like the the idea of it is gross, sickening. It's icky. Yeah. I mean. Sorry, I mean, are, are you, were you done talking about the plot, or were you still going? I was still going. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so Johnny, with his dickless, uh, he goes to school, and he ends up getting real sick, and he ends up basically turning. Yeah. You never actually see him, like, die and resurrect. Which makes the whole, is it a zombie movie thing, weird. Yeah. But then uh, Douchey goes... What, do we know his name? <laughs> his friend? Yeah, I'm just going to keep calling him Douchey unless you correct me. Um, Dwyer? Is that his name? Pretty sure. All right, well, Dwyer goes down to the basement because he's apparently going to let this, or he's going to take Dead Girl to the hospital and then to the police. And JT is down there and he's like, you know, Johnny's dead, man. 
He's a, you know, she's dead. Johnny's dead. But he basically says, you know, zombieism is not an STD. <laughs> but since, since he got bit, now he's going to, he's going to, he's a, he's dead. He's a dead guy. <laughs> um, and so then at some point, uh, JT and Wheeler get this grand idea that they can make their own dead girl. They can make an army of dead girls. And so they, they go out and they're looking for just trolling. Yeah. Trolling for women. And they find this like old fat woman. Not fat, but bigger. I think she's old either. She's, she's older than them at least. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's not like geriatric or anything, but, <laughs> and they're like trying to get her back to the basement and they hit her with a tire iron and she just starts bleeding and then just beats the shit out of them. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. And at that point, Joanne runs up to their car and is like, what the fuck did you do to my boyfriend's dick? And they're like, why don't we show you? Well, was this, this was. Yeah, because Johnny, he's, he's at school and he's just, he looks like death. Like he looks awful. And you can hear his like stomach gurgling and he just looks like he's on the verge of throwing up. And in the middle of class, he gets up and sprints to the bathroom and, and, sits down on the shitter and just literally shits his ass. Yep. Like, like just shits his guts out. And like the only real glimpse you get, of like, like he stands up at one point cause he's got like a bruise on his chest. Yeah. Like a huge one. And it looks like, cause he didn't get hit there. Yeah. I don't know if it was supposed to be like blood pooling or what. But I don't know. Oh, cause somebody, somebody threw oh, yeah, a football. football. Yeah. Just put that together. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and so that had already bruised over, and then he stands up, and that's just like an explosion of blood and chunks on the bathroom wall, and then just you get a quick glimpse of him dragging himself across the bathroom floor with his fucking intestines dragging behind him. Yeah, that was probably the most. That's grim the most graphic part. part. Yeah, I mean, as far as gore goes, the yeah. whole movie is pretty awful. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Joanne says, you know, what did you do to my boyfriend? And they're like, let's show you. So they take her back to the basement. They're going to turn her into their own personal dead girl. This is when Ricky comes and he finds them. And JT is basically like, I did this for you. He's like, not only can you have your own dead girl, but it's Joanne. It's your dream girl. And Ricky's like, that's fucked up. <laughs> um, and so they end up getting in a big fight. He ends up cutting off Wheeler's hand with a machete. <laughs> Wheeler's like, I don't feel so good. <laughs> She's like, yeah, cut off your fucking hand, man. Yeah, just kind of non-reactive to it. Um, and yeah, and then Dead Girl ends up getting loose and just destroying JT. And so then Ricky and Joanne leave and we flash forward however long. And we see Ricky and he looks like he's going out on a date. Ricky and Joanne didn't leave. They didn't? No, you see that Joanne has actually been... It's like Ricky or JT had stabbed her in the back with the machete. Well, they left the basement, but I guess they didn't actually leave the hospital. No, I mean, like, she was laying there dying on the stairs. And JT... Yeah, JT stabbed her. Yeah. And JT's sitting there dying himself. And he says, Ricky, let me bite her, man. It's not too late. You can still save her. And then that's when it flashes forward. To an indeterminate amount of time 
Okay, yeah. And Ricky looks like he's going out on a date. He's all dressed up. He's got flowers. <clears throat> but then you see he actually shows up to the basement, and there's Joanne, and she is turned. Right. And uh, She's the new dead girl. Oh, and the old dead girl actually escaped her bonds and ran off Yeah, who knows where she is now. So, I mean, and so even Ricky, who seems like he's the nicest guy of the whole bunch, in the end, he's just as bad as the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was even hard to consider him at any point better than the rest because, again, he was complacent. He was complacent, yeah. Um, and just like a, a turd to basically everyone. Mm-hmm. Like he Except st- Joanne. Like, because he didn't like Johnny... He allowed him to be attacked. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just nonsense. Like, not nonsense, but awful. Yeah. So yeah, to consider him better than the rest is a fallacy. And even with Joanne, he was like disrespectful to her relationship. Mm-hmm. And he was basically like, you know, being selfish. Yeah. So this is, this is an uncomfortable movie. I don't like it. No? No. I didn't like this when I saw it 10 years ago, or however long ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. Um, yeah, especially in today's climate, it's, it's a very uncomfortable movie. Uh, when it first came out, it got a lot of grief for being misogynistic. Yeah. I disagree. I think that this movie, and I pulled up this article from a website called Feministing. That I saw that. Like, first glance, it looked like Femifisting. <laughs> it's like, that's not a feminist website. Uh, it calls this movie the most feminist horror movie that they've seen this side of teeth. What? Because, like I said, when you think about it, like, if you, if you, you know, on the surface, yes, it looks like it's a misogynistic movie. It's all about them raping this girl. But when you go deeper, like, the thing that so many people who don't actually watch horror movies think about horror movies is that they're all just mindless violence and blood and guts. A lot of it is. A lot of it is, <laughs> but not all of it. Like even Friday the 13th, if, you know, it's become a cliche and a trope to joke about at this point, but originally all the people that Pamela Voorhees was going after, they were guilty of uh, drinking, doing drugs and having premarital sex. Yeah, pretty much a symbol of the Reagan era. Yeah, exactly. And this, in in a way, is more pertinent now than it was when it was made. Because you've got all these terrible, just toxic masculinity type personalities. And, uh, you know, in the end, they eventually all get theirs. I guess Ricky doesn't really, but... And that's kind of where I draw my conclusion. Because in the end... Still, that that white male chauvinist, misogynistic persona still wins. I mean, it's, and isn't that putting a mirror on our society? No, it definitely is. What I'm saying is, like, I don't see how it's a, a, in any way, shape, or form feminist. And I, I don't want to get into arguing about whether or not it's feminist. That's not what this show is about. Right. What I don't like about the movie is its disgusting portrayal of essentially rape. And, you know, a, a master-slave um, relationship. Yeah. Now, it's flipped on its head and, you know, portrayed in a, you know, in a strange way, you know, as, as opposed to, like, essentially what is a zombie. But, I don't know. I think it's 
disgusting. Like something like um like uh like I spit on your grave where rape is used as like um an empowering thing for God, I can't remember the character's name. It's been a while since I've seen it. For the, for the main main girl, uh, for her to essentially go out and get her revenge. Yeah, she was victimized, but then she made her attackers her victims. Sure. This, I don't see how that's in any way like that. Like, because dead girl, sure, she's maybe like a mindless zombie, She's continually a victim. At no point does she have a victory, aside from like managing to get away at the end. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I mean, (laughs) the thing is, not even so much just the events of the movie, but like you said, it's it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. It's it's a vile portrayal, and it's you know the way that these characters act and uh, the way that you know the movie makes you feel is it's uncomfortable, and that's that's really the main point is we're looking at these things that these people are doing, the way that they're acting, the way that they are feeling so uh, empowered and um, entitled to something that's not theirs. And it's, like I said, it's really putting a mirror up to society and showing that this kind of shit goes on and and it is disgusting and you're supposed to feel that way. So it's implying that the movie's feminist because it shows I'm, how... I'm not even talking about this. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm talking about my personal okay, sure. take on it. <clears throat> but I mean, it's, you know, it's it's like being in Ricky's shoes and seeing this thing going on. And it's like, you know, obviously you're not going to go tell somebody, I saw this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's, you know, it is supposed to make you feel that way that, you know, these things are vile, but they, but they happen in real life. Not people fucking zombies, but. Yeah. No, no, I, I definitely agree. Um. And I guess that's kind of, I mean, it's the tightrope, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing that get out did with race, Mm -hmm. maybe not in as successful, not just monetarily and, uh, review wise, but you know, within the storytelling, not as successful, but I think it's the same kind of idea. They were, they were going for kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. They just did it in a little bit different way. I suppose. I just, I don't know that using this as a tool to talk about uh, sexual violence and, you know, entitlement, I don't know that the the message is going to be as clear as maybe it should be. And definitely it's not, because like I said, you know, a lot of the reviews did call it misogynistic. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it is something that kind of takes a reading into and, and a, um, you know, to stop and actually think about it yeah. as opposed to just watching what's on the surface. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it, it, I guess it's, it's hard to decide whether or not the world needs something like this that shows what can happen when, you know, especially entitled white boys get what they want with um, well i mean a lot of them get some form of repercussion in one way or another and others get elected to the supreme court right and that's exactly my point it's like we live in a world now especially where people can be accused of rape 
multiple by multiple sources and have it not only um, questioned or have it have it not 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 questioned not not questioned but not even reviewed yeah and I mean, or I guess maybe the other way around like not not only not reviewed but not questioned yeah um and something like this to see and it's, I probably picked the wrong day to watch this because I was all fired up about the the vote. Um, but to see in the end Ricky getting exactly what he wanted through such a disgusting display of power was like cringeworthy. Like it made me mad. And I think that's the point. Maybe. And that, that I guess, again, that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't know if it was important. For that, for this kind of a movie to exist and uh, you know elicit those feelings, or if I th- if it was um, if it was displayed poorly, like is this is this the kind of message that needs to be a little more direct? Probably. And that being the case, were they just make did did this just portray itself as a movie? that was portraying like dominance over uh, a, a, a victim. See, I don't, I don't feel that they, they glorified any of the abuse. It doesn't feel like they were like, you know, the, these guys are cool cause they're getting theirs. Well, sure. And I mean, even, even though she's a zombie, the look on dead girl's face at all times, every time you see her, she's just pained and in, mm-hmm. And even, I don't know if it's physical or emotional agony, but she's just, her face just, just makes me want to cry. Yeah. It was hard. It was rough to watch. And, you know, before, like I said, I saw this for the first time not long after it came out. Because I, I think I was like on this like message board when people still use those. Um, And a lot of people were talking about this. So I checked it out and like. You know, I was at an age at that point where I was like trying to just fuck everything that moved. <laughs> um, but even at that point in my life, I was just really turned off by this movie. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like it wasn't that long after I was around that age that these characters are displaying. Just like Jesus Christ, I was never that depraved yeah. when I was in high school. Maybe there were people that were. I'm sure there were, but it's like, ugh, just and but so I mean, aside from the social or political messages that might be sent in this, I don't think it's a very good movie. <laughs> I think that Shiloh Fernandez and Noah Segan are not good actors. I never have anything I've seen them in that I've feel like like even evil dead which i love like child fernandez was just awful in it um and uh yeah it was just and uh, like the the i don't know if it was just just the 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 um performances themselves but the script seemed really fucking weak too so i mean it was it look, sorry it, it it looked good mm mm-hmm. mhm it was shot well, and I guess that's probably its saving grace, but 
everything else about it was just yeah man. from from a purely uh entertainment standpoint like i said this movie is uncomfortable to watch it's not something i would watch probably ever again <laughs> um definitely not something i would watch on any kind of regular basis had you seen this before I, I think I had, but I just like didn't remember very much about it. Okay. And maybe I didn't watch the whole thing or something, but I, I feel like I had seen it, but I couldn't remember. Like I knew the basic plot outline and that was about it. Okay. Yeah. When you picked it and <clears throat> put it on our calendar, I was just like, mm. <laughs> like I knew what it was about. And even before the whole Kavanaugh thing, I felt that like with the, you know, me too movement and times up and all this stuff, I thought that it would be an interesting uh, movie to talk about. Fair enough. And this is, I think this has been one of our better reviews. This is fucking deep. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it, I don't feel like it glorifies the assault. I don't feel like it makes light of anything. And I feel like that, that disgusting feeling, that uncomfortable feeling is what they want you to feel because they're, like I said, they're tur- turning the movie back on you and saying, this stuff is going on. What are you doing about it? Yeah. I just, I guess I don't like how it, all comes to a head at the end. That's where, fair. That's fair. Where, you know, like everyone except for uh, Ricky is dead. <laughs> yeah. But at the end, you know, Ricky is just walking down the street with this big shit-eating grin on his face because he got exactly what he wanted. I mean, not exactly. Well. <laughs> but yeah. Um, And I just, I don't know. It both irritated and sickened me. And, and I mean, again, like I said, that's the point. But from an entertainment standpoint, that's not what you want from your movie. No. And I mean, like, you know, going back to Get Out, Get Out did that in a more entertaining way, mm-hmm. for sure, and and probably a more successful, more, um, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it it portrayed its message in a more successful, in a more um, succinct way, whereas this kind of relied on emotion. Yeah. 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 I mean, like comparing it to Get Out, I feel like the delivery system was a little different. And, you know, they're both, you know, race versus race and rape are both hot button issues Mm -hmm. um, and have been for quite some time now. Um, But I feel like Get Out did a much better job about addressing the message that it was trying to send. I agree. I mean, nobody's watching get out and being misconstrued about what the message is. Yeah. This one, it appears that that is what's happening. I mean, maybe I'm way off base. Maybe this is not what they wanted at all. Maybe they wanted to make a movie about rape because they thought it was funny. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I just don't really see it that way. All right. But I feel like, <clears throat> I'm getting the sense that when it gets down to it, they were probably still thinking along the same lines, like putting aside how we feel like the political message was delivered, whether or not there is a political message that like um, the movie as a whole, I think we're probably thinking along the same lines. Anyway, that it's just uncomfortable and just, yeah, just uncomfortable. And like I said, I don't think it's a good movie. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you about specifically Shiloh Fernandez. I don't think he's very good in this. Um, Noah Segan, I feel like, is fine until he has to, like, emote. Like, at the end when he starts, like, yelling, I'm just like, I'm not believing what you're saying right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, like we did that one movie where the kid got sent off to like a like a camp for juvenile delinquents. Do you remember that? And there was like a like a ghost of some vengeful girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Segan like ran the camp or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. He wasn't that. Some kind of hate. Yeah. That was like the first movie I'd seen him in since I saw this, I think. Unless I saw Starry Eyes first. I don't remember. Contracted. I don't remember him in Contracted. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> Contracted. <laughs> um, who was he in that? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I remember him being in it. But yeah, I mean, like I said, from a purely entertainment standpoint, I, I wouldn't recommend this movie. It's not a fun movie to watch. Um, it is just a very uncomfortable movie. It's not something I would put on at a party or with friends or <laughs> or something I would really tell anyone to watch unless I thought they they were fucked up. And I'd be like, hey, go watch this. Yeah, I mean, like... I Go made, watch this and feel bad. I, I suspect you did the same thing, but I made it a point to watch this when I knew my wife wasn't going to be around. I tried to, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, right. You said she saw, she saw a bit of it, huh? Yeah, because she came home while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Come, I'm, I'm done talking about this, I think. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, like I when we reviewed Get Out, and I... I hate to keep making that parallel, but it's really the only thing I can come up with. <laughs> I know I called Get Out an important movie. I'm not going to say that about this by any means, because the message is very muddled. And, you know, we're sitting here on opposite sides of what we feel the message was. So um, and from an in- entertainment standpoint, it's not entertaining. Um, so. You go first. All right. Well. <clears throat> whether or not there was intent to, uh, like an intent to deliver like a political or not necessarily political but social commentary uh about this i don't know for sure that's the way i took it i mean that's what i took away from it and you know even even after having this conversation after digging deeper into it and you know maybe we were digging too deep um and which is very unlike us it really is <laughs> um that yeah, I mean, for from an entertainment standpoint, this is completely lacking. This has really no value as far as entertainment goes. Um, like, as a horror movie, as a zombie movie, it's kind of garbage um, in my mind. The acting is bad. I feel like the direction's bad. The script is bad. The only real saving grace is, like, the uh, the cinematography, which I thought was actually pretty, pretty effective. Um, but... And then you know, when you dig deeper into the underlying themes, it's just disgusting. And whether or not they were trying to address it as a, you know, like a wake-up call, like you're suggesting, like I feel like if that's what they're going for, they've completely missed the mark and they like really kind of phoned it in if that's what they're trying for. Because all I really got from it was like, hey, look at us rape this girl for an hour and a half. No, actually, it was almost two hours, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it's like 140 something. So yeah, let's watch us rape this girl for almost two hours and then see this one guy who just stood by and watched it all happen get exactly what he wants at the end. So, I mean, fuck this movie. One. Okay. <laughs> that didn't help me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. 
this this is really hard for me to review because like I said, I am not entertained by it, but I feel like they wanted you to feel a certain way and I felt that certain way and it sounds like you felt that certain way even though you didn't think that was the intent. Um Yeah, I feel but it, like I said it's not something I would recommend to someone. No, I would never tell anybody to watch this like yeah, ever. For sure. Um I'm going to give it a 3. Okay. Let's talk about something fun. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh leave on that note and go into our review of 1985's Reanimator. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the six to 12 minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. But lately, they're getting out of hands. And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You? 15 cc's of reagent being administered. Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. Dead? Not anymore. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life. And not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. It will scare you to pieces. All right, the reanimator, or just reanimator, I guess. Not not the reanimator. There could be multiple reanimators, I guess, not just one. Well, there are. Yeah, I guess there are. Several. Yeah. yeah. Like at least two. Yep. Three. Three. <laughs> Three reanimators. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, um, this uh, is written and directed by Stuart Gordon um, and uh, stars uh, Jeffrey Combs and Babs, <laughs> who we just adore. Um, and um, this is based on a short story written by H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Now, if you read the story, or actually, I think it's Herbert West Reanimator. I believe that's the name of the story. Yeah, Herbert West Reanimator. It's it's actually not really like this at all. I think it's fairly different. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's get into the movie. <laughs> yeah, let's. <laughs> so this starts out um, uh, it, in Switzerland at the University of Zurich. Uh, Institute, Institute of Medicine, where Herbert West is a 
research assistant, I guess, with uh, Dr. Hans Gruber. <laughs> like, Which came first? Uh, let's see. Die Hard was... 84? 88. 88. Okay, so this was first. I mean, I'm sure Hans Gruber is probably a pretty popular, like, Scandinavian name. Or not Scandinavian, but um, Germanic. German? German, but this is Switzerland. Oh. I don't know. Whatever. Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so... um, yeah, Herbert West is a, I believe, a research assistant with Dr. Hans Gruber, who is a like a, a world leading neurosurgeon um, and a professor at the university. Um, and uh, we start out seeing this uh, group of, I guess there's two cops and a, and a guy in a suit marching down this hall and hearing all this screaming in the background, and they start pounding at this door like, Doctor, uh, Doctor Gruber, Doctor Gruber open up and they finally bust in and they see West uh, like huddled over Gruber's body or like he's like his Gruber's on the floor screaming and uh, the cops come and pull him away and Gruber stands up and his face is covered in blood and he's just screaming holding the side of his head and his eyes burst out of his skull (laughs) and um he just he's screaming and he falls back down to the floor, and then the guy in suit don't really they don't say who he is. He just I don't think so. Just a, a guy from the university, I guess. He checks for a pulse and he says, "You, here he's dead." And this woman that was with them says, "You killed him." West says, "No, I gave him life." <laughs> and then we lead Jeffrey into the, Combs being Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. And then we lead into. The Psycho theme song. <laughs> I feel like I remember reading the, the the theme, the opening theme song for this movie was heavily criticized for being like almost identical to the song from Psycho. Oh, really? Yeah. And I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, so after the credits, we get we go back to uh, Miskatonic University in Maryland. Um, Maryland, right? Uh, this just says New England. I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's in New England. <laughs> uh, where we see, uh... Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Essex County, Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of Edgar Allan Poe. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so we go... So Miskatonic University, which is also a hospital or you know, working hospital, or is he? Um, I guess he's a doctor, right? Or is he just a medical student? Uh, student. Okay, but he's on top of a patient for some reason. Dan Kane. Is that is that Dan Kane? Yeah, fucking Dan Kane. Fucking Dan Kane. He's on top of a woman giving her uh, chest compressions. Uh. And, uh, you know, they, they shock her a few times and just getting no heartbeat. And Dan is just like, just working her chest. <laughs> and it's, she's like, the, like, I don't understand why her shirt is ripped open. Do you? <laughs> no. That seemed unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were using the defibrillator, but. I swear I've muted this thing like five times. Well, do it six times. 
God damn it. Um, anyway, yeah, so she's giving her test compressions, and then all the doctors are like, Dan, just stop. <laughs> she's dead, man. Stop, stop. She's already <laughs> dead. And he's like, no, she just needs more time for the drugs to circulate. It's like, but she has no circulation. <laughs> she's dead. She's she's an ex person. <laughs> um and uh let's see from there what's the next scene? Uh West bringing the cat back to life. Doesn't go immediately to that though. Oh, I don't remember then. This is a shitty sum- summary. Just skips entire parts. Um I guess from here, we're introduced to um, Dean Kane. <laughs> Halsey? Halsey, yeah, Dean Halsey and uh, Dr. Hill. Um, Dr. Hill is like the foremost leader of neurosurgery um, and... Uh, is like he Halsey introduces him as like being a grant machine, um, and just like groundbreaking work on uh, um, neuropathy. Is that I think so? That sounds right. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> I just play one on TV. Uh, but he brings West into uh, his um operating room, or like it's like he's he's giving a lesson to students. And Wes comes in and he's like just immediately, like just completely indignant to Dr. Hill. <laughs> like he says, oh yeah, I've heard about your work. It's derivative of Dr. Gruber's. <laughs> like uh, we see, uh, in, in Europe, it's considered plagiarism. <laughs> and like he just met this asshole and he's yeah. already being in it. He's just pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, uh, Christ, those fuckers are loud. Anyway, <laughs> so he, uh, later in the night, you see Dan with Babs, who plays Megan. So also Dean Halsey's daughter. Right. So he's banging the Dean's daughter. Good for him. <laughs> um, and, uh, she gets up and she's like, <laughs> like, they really have to immediately let you know that she's the dean's daughter because she sits up in bed and she's like, I have to go. And he's like, I don't want my father to find out about us. And <laughs> like, she doesn't address like him, like as the dean and say who her father is. But he's like, I don't care what Dean Halsey says. <laughs> it's like, oh, her dad's the dean. I don't care what my dad, Dean Halsey, the <laughs> dean Says the dean of the university of which we both attend, <laughs> and uh, that's when there's a knock at the door. And who could it be but Herbert West wanting to rent the room? So here we go with the reanimator sitcom <laughs> Perfect Strangers, Three's part- Company, <laughs> um, Three Animator, Three Animator, Three's Company. <laughs> So uh, he moves in, and things are just kind of weird off the bat. Um, and Megan is suspicious of him. 
and and Hill just thinks that he's a complete asshole. But Hill's an asshole too, and he's also a creep because he's he just lusts after Megan. Like the way he stares at her is gross. <laughs> yeah. And he's just a creepy old man too. And the guy that plays him, um David Gale. David Gale, yeah. He's he's like a I, mean, I think he's dead now. Actually, I'm almost positive he is. But he yeah, was like, he died in 1991. There you go. Um, he was like a very highly respected actor. Um, He's British. Yes, he was. Or was. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he's he's formerly British. <laughs> uh, that, that is Kevin Spacey. <laughs> that is Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Wait, didn't he play a character named David Gale? Yep, in the life of David Gale. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, anyway, there, uh, seem they're like, there's this big contention on, on the, uh, the life of a brain after death. Um, Dr. Hill says it could be like six to 12 minutes and Herbert West, uh, insists that it could be longer, but he's got a little secret up his sleeve. He has this fancy little reagent that brings the dead back to life. Yep. Isn't that something? It is. It's like he's a, some kind of reanimator. <laughs> um, I don't understand why it's called a reagent. I don't. What's the original agent? Yeah. It, does it agent again? <laughs> like, shouldn't it be called like the reanimator? One would think, or the reanimating agent. Yeah. Reanimation agent. I mean, I know that's not a cute name like reagent, but. Uh, it makes sense, at least. Yeah, I mean, what's what is the agent? Is it death, <laughs> or is, is agent, it life? Is life that would make more sense? Yeah. So birth is the agent, and, and the, the stuff is re-birth. the reagent. Rebirth, after birth, born again. <laughs> Praise him. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so. Yeah, basically, Dan finds his dead cat in Rufus. Rufus in uh, Herbert's fridge in his room, and uh, he's like, "Well, I was gonna tell you, he got his head stuck in a jar and suffocated." <laughs> he likes, like, that's probably not what happened. He probably actually killed the cat. Probably, yeah. But like his cover up for it was like perfect. He's like, "Well, why didn't you call or leave a note?" He's like, "I've been pushing bodies around all day, just like you." It's like, what would a note say? Cat dead. Cat dead. Details, details later. later. <laughs> it's like, that's a damn good point. If, if somebody left me a note, said that my dog was dead and didn't like. And like, details later. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> that is unacceptable. <laughs> um, but uh, that's when he. So he. Dan wakes up in the middle of the night to hear like this, this clatter. Coming, coming from the basement. So he runs down down there and sees West wrestling around with this thing attached to his back, which you find out is Rufus <laughs> that has come back to life and is now like not only an undead cat, but is like the fastest thing on the earth <laughs> because it is darting around so quick you can't even see it. Yes. It's just knocking shit off the shelves because that's what cats do. 
Yep. Usually they just do it like this. <laughs> it's like, fuck your shit. <laughs> and they'll look you dead in the eye, too. Yeah. Be like, hey, what do you think of this? Just to test Fucker. you out. <laughs> I run this place. Gotta get my coop. Okay, I got it. Oh no, I scratched up his nose. Thanks, dick. Fucking cat. You're an asshole. I'm gonna take yours now. Nah. Prick. Anyway, so, um, basically, Herbert uh, convinces Dan to help him with his research, um, help him acquire freshly, you know, like, bodies in the morgue, but, like, as fresh as possible, because he has this theory that, like, obviously, everybody he's brought back to life so far (laughs) has lost their fucking minds. (laughs) So he thinks that their bodies just aren't fresh enough. Now, you would think that right off the bat that um, uh, Dr. Gruber would have been, like, fresh. Like he, like you maybe, would think, right? maybe he was there when he died. But actually, I guess he said they gave him too high of a dose. Yes, he did say that. Okay. And that's the, that's the thing that's going on throughout the movie is, like, him just trying to find the right dose. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're kind of in and out of the morgue almost the entire movie and uh, just bringing bodies back to life just reanimating reanimating them them, as it were Um, with the reanimator agent (laughs) and so um, you know Megan starts to get suspicious of what's going on because Dan is like trying like hell to keep it from her and then also uh, Dr. Hill has actually kind of started to pick up on it and he's got a bug in Dean Halsey's ear um, to so he's immediately got a grudge against uh, West and and Dan because he finds out that like he's he knows he's he knows Dan's dating his daughter, but I don't think he suspects for a second that he's actually fucking her. Naive bastard, right? <laughs> but at some Have point, you seen Babscraft? <laughs> um, she's gorgeous. <laughs> um, and uh. At one point, Dan's in there talking to him, and he's he's like, I've been working with West. And he's like, West, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> that little butt nut. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, he says something about Megan. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Megan or, you know. something. Shit, I can't. He brings up Megan for some reason. He's like, Megan, what are you doing with Megan? <laughs> Like, what you, you little butt nut. <laughs> he's like, what do you think you're he's doing with Megan? <laughs> um and uh anyway, so Hill finds out exactly what West is doing and um invades his home laboratory and uh finds out finds out about the reagent, looks through West's notes, and he's like, Well, I'm taking this. <laughs> Mine's now. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to get rich off of your research. So thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> he just walks, he just waltzes in there with like no, 
like he's got nothing supporting him. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, this is mine now. I'm taking it. Deal with it. Yeah. And it's like, if that were me, if, if I were West, I'd be like, the fuck you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, fight me. You just broke and entered my home. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to call the cops right now. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> or just kick his wrinkled ass because Herbert West is a college kid. And you know, maybe he's a geek and doesn't know how to fight, but you know what? West is, or uh, Hill is an old bastard who probably can't fight either. So <laughs> Yeah, just hit him with something. Like a shovel? Yeah. Because that's what he does. There you go. And then cuts off his head. <laughs> and then he's like, hmm, parts. I've never reanimated parts before. It's like, well, this has to go well. <laughs> How could it not? <laughs> so he puts he puts Hill's head in this little, um, not Petri dish, what is it? Uh, uh, dissection platter? Sure. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, what the scientific it's, name is. It's like is. a steel medical dish thing. Yeah. Um, it, but his head won't stand up, so he takes up takes like a what are those things called? Something like a that you put like like at a restaurant they'd put like a checks like paid checks on it. Yeah, and uh, it's like a little spike with a stand on it. Yeah, I don't know. You, you, you know the thing. I know the thing. But I don't know what it's called. <laughs> so he grabs one of those and just. Spikes Hill's or Hill's head and puts it back in this dish, and then reanimates it and his body separately. Right now, naturally they come back to life, but for some reason they have like this psychic connection, which makes zero sense. Well, it's like floating head doctor. <laughs> sure, <yeah>. body. <laughs> but it's like again, there's a suspension of disbelief when it comes to science and these kinds of things. Right. But it's like, I don't get it. It's like, sure, I can believe that maybe there's this serum that reanimates dead corpses. Or maybe even dead parts, like activates their motor functions. Sure. But for a brain to control a body that it's not attached to. Right. It's like, does this thing suddenly activate like some kind of sixth sense? Third eye. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's a little ridiculous. But the body's... (laughs) Even though it's this lumbering, headless body and manages to sneak up behind West <laughs> and slam his head on the desk. I love that it's like clearly just like a person in like a yeah. suit. Because Hill was not that tall. No. <laughs> he was not like seven and a half feet tall. Right. It's like a headless horseman get up. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... Uh, D, uh, let's see... Oh, actually, I guess I skipped over the fact that Dean Halsey was... So, Dan and West had just reanimated a corpse in the morgue, and Dean Halsey just happened to come along at the wrong time and get crushed by a door and then slammed up against a wall until he was dead. Yes. By said corpse. Um, And uh, then they reanimate him, and he comes back to life as this just, like, screaming monster. (laughs) Um, But Hill takes that as an opportunity to make him his slave. Naturally. (laughs) And he's like revolutionized this laser-based lobotomy method that seems like it should be more important in the story, but it's really not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
But he finds out that he can make the reanimated corpses his slaves by giving them this, these lobotomies. Um, and he does this with Halsey because he thinks that the senseless, screaming, reanimated corpse of her father could somehow get Megan to sleep with him. <laughs> <laughs> or love him or something. It's like, if you were in that position... Would the fact that somebody was controlling your father make you want to fuck them? No. It'd probably do the opposite. Probably. Yeah. This was an ill-conceived idea. Especially if said person was a disembodied head. Who wouldn't stop screaming? No, no, no. The guy who brought him back to life. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> or lobotomized him, I guess. Um. Anyway... So he takes, he goes back to the morgue because it's like his base of operation or something. This morgue in a university hospital. And I love the guard that uh, guard, guards the, the morgue there. It's just this like sassy black guy with a cigar in his mouth, like at all times. Yeah. <laughs> love at the end when all the shit like is hitting the fan. He walks past the open door and he's just like, Nope, it runs away. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Dan and West kind of figure out. Oh, so the body goes. No, no, no. Dean Halsey's been ordered to go capture Megan in the middle of the night and bring her to the morgue. Nobody seems to notice. Is there like a back door to this morgue that we're not seeing? There must be. Because <laughs> the way that everyone gets there. They have to walk through the hospital, go down the elevator, and walk down this corridor to get to the morgue. And there's, you know, the security guard, and yeah, you would think there would be other people there. One would think. I mean, and it's like, yeah. So, so there's this big, you know, autopsy room, and then the actual like deep freeze where they keep the bodies. And like, I don't see a back door anywhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> so how West managed to sneak in later is beyond me. But Halsey's captured Megan, brought her to the morgue where he strips her down, which is awkward. And then just Hill with his heavy breathing and gurgling because he's a fucking bleeding head. <laughs> he's just like sitting, like his body's just put his head next to her. And he's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then like the body starts carrying his head around her body. And just like kissing her all over, and it's really fucking gross. Yeah, but you know, Babs is naked, so that's a plus. True. <clears throat> um, and uh, I saw somebody on Twitter who was, I think they were meeting her at some kind of convention or something, and they had a photo from this, and it was like the body holding the head in between her legs, <laughs> and he was like, "I know what I'm getting signed." <laughs> Um. Anyway, so yeah, that's when Wes shows up and just starts, you know, bantering with Hill, which is weird because this fucking banter with a disembodied head. <laughs> um, and then that's when Dan sneaks in to kind of to release Megan from her bonds and get her out of there. And uh, then shit just starts going to hell because all of these reanimated corpses start attacking Dan and West and then it's just kind of a struggle to get out 
Apparently, Hill can like control them with his mind or something. Yeah, like I said, the, for some reason, the lobotomy gave him control over them. I mean, he's, like he says that, like I discovered that my lobotomy method gives me, you know, makes them susceptible to my will or something like that. Yeah, that, that that's not how it works. Like, yeah, I, don't. I mean, if it were, if it made them susceptible to your will, it would make them susceptible to anybody. You would think, <laughs> like they they can't. They're not animals. They don't just encode on you as their master. <laughs> um, anyway, so there's a big fight ensues and a bunch of corpses die. and <laughs> Like, they're just about to get out and, like, Dan is dragging West and making it out of the room. And West is like, wait a minute, I had an idea or I had a theory about overdose and he gets these two full syringes of the reagent which is like this green glowing, glowing green. shit yeah it's like the secret of the ooze yeah and he just injects it into west or into hill's back of his body um and that's when his body starts freaking out and just collapses against a wall and then his chest opens up and his intestines sling out like tentacles <laughs> Because it's Lovecraft. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and just wrap around West and start. For some reason, I had this in my head that it, like, maybe it was the book. That, like, the wall opened up into, like, a portal to another world or something. I don't know. But anyway. That sounds like something that would happen in a Lovecraft story. Right. Um. So yeah, West is just being strangled to death by these intestines, which has just got to be one of the worst ways to go. They just get poopy everywhere. <laughs> I'm in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he throws his medical bag at uh, at Dan as they're escaping, and they get all the way to the um, elevator, and Dan, or it's, it's, it's this corpse comes out of nowhere and starts strangling Megan. And like he tries, Dan tries to fight him off, doesn't get anywhere. So instead of just continuing to fight him off and trying to stop this corpse from strangling Megan, he runs down the hall to get the fire axe. Meanwhile, Megan's still being strangled Megan to death. Megan is being murdered. And he comes down, comes back down, gets back in the elevator. <laughs> and then chops off this corpse's arm. Uh, but by then, Megan's already dead. So he takes her up to the hospital where, again, he tries to give her these chest compressions <laughs> and then shocks her a couple times and uh, then they pronounce her dead. But then he gives her the reagent and the screen goes black except for the, the glowing green reagent in the syringe and you see it slowly disappear and then you hear Megan scream. End. Roll credits. Yep. So what do you think, Taylor? It's so stupid. It's so <laughs> stupid. But it's so fun. Wait. No, we've been... Oh, wait, we already did one movie. Right? <laughs> like, no way, I was talking about this for an hour. Anyway. Yeah. It's a dumb fucking movie, but God damn it, it's fun. Yeah. I love... Like, I love watching this every single time. Since... I think since uh, the very end of this ended with, with Babs being reanimated... The second one should have been called Rebabinator. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
have you seen the second one? Bride, Bride of Reanimator? No. Yeah, yeah Bride of Reanimator. It doesn't make any sense because... <laughs> no. Well, like, like, it doesn't pick up where the first one left off. For some reason, West is, like, not dead. For some reason, Hill is still alive and now his head has bat, bat wings attached to it. <laughs> so it flies now. <laughs> it's fucking... Where this one was kind of off the wall, but still entertaining, that one is just fucking bonkers. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. But I'll still watch it. The only one I won't watch is Beyond Reanimator, because that was bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this one, like this was a Empire Films, um, which ultimately became Full Moon. So... That might make a little sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just really off the wall, really ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Just over the top acting, especially from Jeffrey Combs, which has kind of become like his, uh, what's the calling card? Yeah. Um, but it's it's so much fun. It, it's just entertaining to watch uh, the story. Or like the um, the effects are pretty good considering... Yeah, they're, they're, they're decent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they could be worse for sure. But, sure. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the science, like even for somebody who knows very little about science, is kind of ridiculous. But <laughs> it's like I don't know. Like it's just one of those movies that you watch it because it's ridiculous. Yeah. And you yeah, just you, you, you just you, have fun with it. You know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you knew what this was. <laughs> um. And I mean the cast. I mean Jeffrey Combs and um, and Babs. They're just great. Um, you realize we haven't said Crampton one time in this whole review. They know. <laughs> they knew who it is. There's only one Babs, and it's not Barbara Streisand. Is it Babs Bunny? No, from Tiny Toons. <laughs> Babs Crampton. That's the one Babs in our hearts. Um, why didn't we talk to her at Crypticon? What's wrong with us? We were we were scared. We're shy. <laughs> we're shy. We're shy. <laughs> were we worried that we were gonna call her Babs to her face? <laughs> hey, Babs! Fuck! God! God damn it! <laughs> like I'm always sunny when they're doing the speed dating, and Frank's like, All right. As soon as we make a mistake, I'm going to blow this whistle. <laughs> he walks out. Hey, ladies, I'm Frack. Shit. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, so why anybody should watch this, I can't really put into words. It's weird because you have to be like, hey, you should watch this movie. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> But it like this doesn't sound like something that someone would go. Oh yeah, okay, I want to watch that. <laughs> it's like you know what? I trust old. <laughs> I trust that you won't steer me wrong. Um, but I mean, I hate to say that like, like this is just a movie that I grew up watching and I love it because I feel like even if it's your first time watching it, you could still enjoy it. Yeah, I mean it's 
you know, it's like hot shots or something. You know? Sure. It's just it's not intentionally funny though. This? Reanimator? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was intentionally branded as a comedy, even though it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it's it's over the top and it's it's schlocky and it's it knows what it wants to be. I mean, it's not a movie that's like you know is like people laugh at it and they go no, <laughs> take this seriously. <laughs> like you're just sitting there with your friend who's never seen it before and they laugh and it's like <sighs> not like when I went and saw uh, Nightmare on Elm Street at Central Cinema. And people are laughing, and I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm like, I will fucking kill everyone. <laughs> burn this building to the ground. Wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I could set the building on fire. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's it's ridiculous whether or not it was intention, intended to be. That's, you know, left for the viewer to decide, I think. But yeah. um, it's so much fun, and it's just zany. Over the top. Oh yeah, over the top, not even over top gore, I guess, just over the top um ridiculousness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it it does have it's it does have its gore. There's a lot, a lot of blood, a lot of you know, dead mangled corpses and intestines flying. <laughs> right. Disembodied heads. Um and boobs. Yeah. We all love boobs. What more could you want? Not much. Um, yeah, so this is a big recommend for me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it's weird because you you basically have to tell somebody you should watch this movie. It's stupid as hell. Yeah, and but, they, but you're and, going to like it. Yeah, and hope that they listen to you and don't just go. Why would I want to watch that? Thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a piece of art. It's not like it's like telling someone to watch Kung Fury. Like it's the same. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like another like specifically horror movie that just. I mean, there are a lot of like '80s horror movies that are just absurd, like this is. But yeah, to explain why those are enjoyable is hard not Kung either. Fury, Kung Pao. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh, I thought with Kevin Nealon, Kung Fury kind of so works. Kevin Nealon, huh? That wasn't Kevin Nealon. Who was it? That was uh, Bob something. <laughs> Up and down to the water. <laughs> I want to say Odenkirk, but it's not. It's definitely not. I mean, his name is similar to that. If only there was some kind of device we could use to look it up. <laughs> anyway. Steve Odenkirk. Steve. I thought it was Bob. Okay. Well, there we go. He looks like Kevin Nealon. He does. I thought when the movie first came out, I thought it was Kevin Nealon. Um, but that guy's actually like, that's a wig. It's like, I think he's super bald on top. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, um, so, yeah, big recommend for me. I'm going to give this an eight. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. Seven? Yep. Traitor. <laughs> Who am I trading? Who are you trading? Who am I trading? Who am I trading on? <laughs> trading all over the place. Anyway. Don't tread on me. And you're tre- right now you're treading all over me. Okay, that's going to do it, guys. That's Week of the Zombie. Yeah. For ya. For that ass. We're going to be back in one week with Week of the Alien. Oh, yeah. Big time. 
try to not pick a movie that makes everybody depressed. <laughs> yeah. We'll try to not pick one that has a lot of social context attached to it. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're going to be watching uh, Fire in the Sky and The Thing. Right. So, look forward to that, guys. In the meantime, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at uh, graveplotpodcast.com, as well as on all the major podcast players. Um, they can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast, in our Facebook group, The Graveyard, and on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And, of course, on Patreon.com slash GraveplotPodcast. We never thanked our Patreon patrons at the oh, beginning of shit. the episode. We can do that now. <laughs> um, let's see if I can remember them off the top of my head. Uh, Kevin Nesgoda, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Max Zaleski, The Horror Addicts, um, Jordan Morrison, uh, Aaron Meyer. Is that it? I think that might be it. Nah, I feel like there's more. <laughs> Trying to will it, will it out of my brain. Joshua Hodges. Joshua Hodges. Sorry, Joshua. Sorry, but, everyone. Yes. <laughs> whatever. We got there. Uh, if you want to eventually be thanked on the show, <laughs> <laughs> head over to patreon.com slash greatplotpodcast. Get exclusive content for only $1. And for $100. I will get a fat unicorn tattooed on my ass. It is now officially a tier on the site. <laughs> And if you if we get multiple people donating hundred dollars, are you gonna like elaborate on the the tattoo? Get like a like a background attached to it? Yeah, I'll get like a broken rainbow behind it. <laughs> I think you should get like this big fantasy scape behind it, just like cover your entire ass cheek. No. <laughs> All right, guys. So we'll catch up with you in a week. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Graveplot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. All I see is zombies walking all around us. You can hear them coming. You can hear them breathing, breathing down your spine.